A rich tradition. College football podcast is now live. Hello. Welcome to a rich tradition college football podcast. I'm Spencer Van Horne. He's Robbie Stelton Bowl. Two friends, one love, and that is college football. Roberto, how are you? Man, I'm great. I, I really That's am. That's fantastic. Uh, <clears throat> our Braves are uh, mm. just a few short outs away from mm. uh, clinching another division title after sweeping the Mets and their choke artist mm. selves. Um, mm. ten, and a half, 10 and a half game lead back in June is now n- null and void. And uh, mm. the Braves won 100 games this year after winning the World Series last year. So mm. uh, this is not a baseball what else, podcast. What else you got? I just was I'm just dropping some smooth, wonderful facts on you this evening because I know nothing makes you more joyful than when Robbie talks about either baseball or Tom Hanks. Okay, so uh, well, I don't know if uh, if it's joy, but it's definitely sense of awe. Wow, <laughs> look at that. Yeah, man, I've I, I've really enjoyed. So prior to the all-star break, I did not have access to Bali sports. Um, so I didn't, I only got to watch like one game the whole first half of the season. Um, but since, since I was given access to that, I've watched almost every game except for uh, day games uh, the rest of the year or rest of the season. So I'm super excited. Well, you're not missing much. They don't do very good in day games. Yes. I, I was looking at those statistics like, Anyway, I'm doing very well. Spencer, let me ask you a question, though. I got a serious question to start this off, uh, this, mm-hmm. this episode off. Mm-hmm. When the season started and I gave you $1,000 to bet on a coach who was going to get fired, the first coach or the sixth coach to get fired in in Power 5, would you or would you have not put that money down on Brian Harson? Yeah, probably 100% it would have been on Brian Harson, for sure. Especially with the Penn State game being there at the beginning of the year. Uh yeah. Yeah, definitely would have been on Brian Harson. Did not ex- I don't think many people expected him to last this long for sure. We have six fired coaches in Division 1 college football or yeah, Division 1 college football and none of them are Brian Harson, even though he is fully expected to be fired after this weekend if they lose to Georgia heading into the bye week. Yeah, there's part of you that just sort of wonders why not. Why, why didn't not they do go it? ahead and do it? Yeah, why? <laughs> I mean, if if you've already got your mind made up, why not yeah. go ahead and do it? I've got a I've got a buddy who's an alum for Auburn who seems pretty connected um, at Auburn, and and he has. He has suggested that they were waiting for the bye week. I, I, I stand by that. I, I think it has more to do with the fact that they fired their AD as well, and that they need a new athletic director. Um, but I mean, we'll see. We'll see what happens. I that game against LSU was just super disappointing because they did have such a good lead, and then they squandered it. Um, which we'll talk about here in a sec, but I, I just, I just thought I I really do find that interesting, that whole narrative that we have six coaches fired, 
not really seeing a couple of them uh, coming. And now we're looking at Brian Harson possibly being the seventh in the next two weeks. Um, the, the big, we can just go ahead and talk about it. Cause it's, it's the biggest, it's the biggest firing that we didn't see coming. Um, what, you know, I called you the moment that drew the news dropped, but now that you've had some time to think about it, how do you feel about, um, Paul Chris getting fired from, uh, Wisconsin? Seems like this is a, um, getting up with the, keeping up with the trend. Um, coaches, I think we're going to start seeing, or at least for the next few cycles are going to be fired this time of the year. Uh, people are going to try to get administrations are going to try to get a heads up on the coaching search so that once, you know, th- so that they can hire somebody as quick as possible to get them in there and save the, save the recruiting class, save the current roster as much as possible. Obviously the recruiting calendar, I think plays a part in it as well um i think all that stuff plays a part for uh a lot of these programs and maybe not wisconsin specifically because maybe they have their coach already in waiting yeah in um in, in the defensive coordinator so maybe for them not specifically uh if they do end up going that route with with jim leonard uh, but even then, this gives Jim Leonard an opportunity to go ahead and start, if he is the guy, go ahead and start putting his stuff together and go ahead and start winning over and taking over, uh, winning over the roster and taking over the recruiting trail and uh, go ahead and give him a leg up on transfer portal and whatever else he needs to have a leg up on, hiring his new staff, offensive coordinators and such. Um I I get the impression that Wisconsin does want to make some sort of transition into not just lining it up with 17 tight ends and running the football. They want to try to make that transition that they were hoping would happen with Graham Mertz. They really want to make that transition um, into a little bit more of a passing group. Uh, I think you and I have had plenty of conversations that that maybe wasn't always, we thought that wasn't a, a, a thing that was possible for Wisconsin, considering how they want to play. They can't just turn directions really quick, but they seem to be under the impression that, hey, if, if Purdue can run that kind of offense, or if Indiana, or if Maryland, why can't we? Why can't we get into that game? We might not need the, the fighter jet wide receivers that all go to Ohio State, because Purdue doesn't have those guys. Purdue has good receivers, but they don't have first-round Heisman Trophy-winning wide receivers. Uh, so I think maybe Wisconsin might be in that that camp of, you know, we we want to we want to get a leg up on the coaching search, whether that's Jim Leonard or not, and we want to we, we don't believe Paul Christ is the guy that's gonna. He's had ample time to turn Graham Mertz into what we were hoping Graham Mertz would be, and it's not happened yet. So I think I get the impression that maybe those two things uh, maybe lead the way for Wisconsin. Yeah, um, I, I, you know, eventually we'll hear a tell-all or we'll we'll hear little nuggets of more and more information. I'm just very curious as to why uh, Paul Chris agreed to – 
his $22 million buyout being dropped down to $11 million and accepting it, um, you know, it seems that it seems as if possibly he he was kind of done with this kind of college football, the current climate. You know, uh, I I personally don't think coaches are paid enough for all that they have to deal with and the money that's involved with that. Um, because like I, I just think coaches deal with more than what NFL coaches deal with. Um because it's not just on the field, it's not just practice, it also includes, hey, by the way, you've got to make sure this 19-year-old kid who's kind of immature goes to class and doesn't get in trouble. Um, you, you know what I'm saying? So, like, it, I, I'm very curious as to see why Paul Chris did that. And, and also, it's just, it's one of the first firings in a long, since probably Mark Rick, where a coach was fired who did nothing but win for a school. He may not have won the right games, but he definitely won a lot of games. Yeah, and and uh, and of course, we're all paying attention. Wisconsin's paying attention, and you you hit the nail on the head. You're not winning the right games and the games that you're winning. You you've got at some point you've got to get over the hump and and beat Ohio State and keep it you know those or get, at least at the very least be competitive with Ohio State. And unfortunately, over the last few years, it doesn't feel like they have been. Um, there for Wisconsin, so yeah, we we don't feel like he's getting over the hump. And and Mark Rick might be the perfect example or the perfect comparison. Like, we love you, and you're doing a lot of great things for us, but we want to be in a different stratosphere. We want to be able to compete. Uh, Bud Elliott made a good point that hey, conferences or the divisions are about to go away pretty soon. Mm-hmm. We're not going to get a cakewalk anymore. We're going to need to catch up because we may be seeing Ohio State, Penn State. And Michigan a little bit more often, so we need to and USC and UCLA. So we're going to see those teams more often. We need to be able to keep up. And um, sounds like sounds like that's that's part of the move that they've made. Yeah. Um, so I guess my question is, who, who's the next one to get fired, if not Brian Harson? Um. Yeah, I wouldn't be able to tell just off the top of my head. I wouldn't be able to tell who would be the next person to be fired. So I don't know. I'm calling my shot. Go ahead and give me your your thoughts. Pat Fitzgerald from North Northwestern. They've got a new complex, a new stadium coming in the next few couple years. Um, I think they are also a team that is kind of tired of this not not being effective offense, you know, in some ways. Um, I, I just think, like, look, man, Paul Chris is the most Wisconsin, Wisconsin coach since Barry Alvarez, and they got rid of him, and he won games. So coaches like Pat Fitzgerald and Kirk Ferentz at Iowa, where teams are getting frustrated and very vocal about their offensive woes and coaches being headstrong and not wanting to change offenses or, you know, in the Iowa's case, fire your son, OC. I, I just I just don't know if any of these guys are off limits. Yeah, I wonder I would imagine Iowa would go first with Kurt Ferentz before 
part of me doesn't know how like how hell bent is Northwestern on their football program. Not that they don't care. Yeah, yeah. But how over the top are they about their football program? I would imagine it would be Iowa. They feel a little bit more. Hey, we we you know we need to be doing better than this. Yeah, yeah. No, I think. But again, Kurt Ferentz. I mean, Ferentz has been there for a long time. You, it it might be David Shaw at Stanford that goes first. Ooh. Um, Because only hope. (laughs) But then again, you know, he's sort of in that same boat of. He's been there forever. He's well respected. He's making a transition to, you know, from that loaded up and run the ball to sort of trying to 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 pass it around a little bit more. The transition's not going super well, obviously, but he is making that transition. Maybe the people at Stanford would be uh would be patient with him. Sort of like they've been yeah. patient with what's his uh with Pat at Northwestern and they've been patient it feels like with I don't know. I guess Iowa's been a lot more successful over the last few years than last several years than maybe people realize. Uh, oh, they may no, not tolerate it for long. I mean, what was it? They've had one or two lost seasons twice in the last like six years. You know, like I don't think I'm I don't think I'm off in that, right? Because you no, know, I, I had it in front of well, here I pull it up. Talk for a minute, because because we had the whole because uh, the um, solid verbal had the whole joke of like, what are you going to do? How are you going to tell your kids there's an undefeated Iowa? <laughs> like, uh, I recall that kind of being a thing once or twice in the last few years. Um, also, uh, Braves are bottom of the sixth, up to one on the Marlins. Again, all they have to do is win this game, and they are going to win the division. Yeah, so. Back in 2002, Iowa had 11 wins, 10 wins, 10, and they've had a winning record except for 2012, and that's it. 2012 is the only time since 2002 that they've had a, a losing record, and even that extends back to 2001. They were 3-9 and nine in 2000. And their only losing record was 2012, four and eight. How many, had seven and six. Go ahead. Sorry. Uh, I just was going to ask you how many double digit win seasons do they have? One, two, three, four, five, six, and seven. That includes last year. Jesus. Ten, ten and four. <laughs> Jeez Louise. <laughs> and Kurt Ferentz has been there for the majority of that. He went one and ten in his first year, three and nine in his second, and then seven and five, eleven and two, ten and three, ten and two, seven and five. Oh, there's a six and seven. Sorry, in two thousand six. Sorry, skipped a six and seven. Um, and then there's six and six in two thousand seven. So six and seven were sixes and sevens. Uh, and then mm-hmm. 2008, and everything, yeah, 2008, everything was pretty much back on track except for that 2012 season. Okay. Yeah. Even uh, went six and two in the COVID year. I mean, he's produced, but never have I ever thought they were going to win the conference or, or make the playoff for that matter. Yeah, he's had a he's had two lost seasons, one, two, three, four, and five if you want to count the COVID year. Five if you count the COVID year. Yeah. 
Okay. Um, Spencer, let's talk about last week's games. Um, <clears throat> we picked 12 games last week. Um, mm-hmm. I went 9-3. and three. I think you did as well, because I don't necessarily think we disagreed on any game last week. Um, which is a good thing. Uh, we had a good week. Um, I'm just going to kind of run down the list, and we can add things here or there. Um, I want to start, though... Uh, I want to start with our fandom. I want to go ahead and get this negative out of the way um, because I have quite a bit of negative, um, but I also have a defense um, to give. But I'm going to let you start. Um, Georgia, Missouri. Um, Georgia wins a very close one at Missouri. Um, it took until six minutes left in the game for Georgia to score their first touchdown of the game and uh, kind of get that lead taken care of, and then they hold on for the last few minutes of the game. Uh, what what were some of your takeaways? So, I think... So, I think this is kind of going back to Georgia being a little bit unhealthy. Not having the number one receiver. I don't know if this was sleepwalking necessarily. Obviously, uh Obviously, uh, Missouri played well on their defensive line. Um, You know, you want to see this is kind of those moments where you're kind of like, where's where's Stetson Bennett at in in these moments? Where's the Stetson Bennett hero from those early games? And again, you can't you don't want to just point the finger at him. Because you kind of think, well, where's the rest of the team, too? Because he was 24 of 44 for 312. No touchdowns. He was better in the second half, like you mentioned, uh, I think, privately the other day. Georgia's defense is still really good, but, yeah, these are just kind of those things that people have always been worried about with with Stetson. Yeah, he put up some, you know, big yards, I guess. There is a Those 44 attempts. There there is a complete paradigm shift from the Stetson Bennett of the first half to the Stetson Bennett of the second half. Completely different. Yeah, player. much better. Yeah, much better quarterback in the second half. Something I, I had their numbers written down. Something like fourteen of twenty, I think, in the second half. Yeah, uh, and it was much better. One hundred and eighty plus yards or something, and he did a he did a pretty good job in the second half of the ball game. Um. Okay. Georgia, like, almost doubled, almost had 500 yards of offense, almost doubled Missouri's offensive output. The problem is Georgia also had two turnovers, um, two turnovers again, and could not could not finish in the red zone. Missouri only got to the red zone twice the whole game. Yeah. Um, so to your point, Georgia's defense actually played fair, fairly, fairly well. Um, but they were just constantly put in bad positions, especially in the first half. Um, also, uh, we had a uh, we had a heavy kicker moment who just freaking wanted the Heisman, um, <laughs> uh, just hitting kicks of like 54, 56, and fifty one yards. Um, you know, might might have well might like if they won that game, he is the player of the game for them. Uh, but look, here here was here's what it comes down to. Uh, Georgia played soft on the both lines of scrimmage. They played soft. 
Um, Georgia has not been a sack-heavy team this year, but they have been incredibly well at pressuring pressuring the quarterback. Missouri was all about getting the ball out quick. Um, Georgia did not blitz very much um, in this game. They had been in the games prior, especially against South Carolina and Oregon. Um, but on the offensive line, especially in the first three quarters, they were getting pushed around, bully-balled, uh, like they were getting bullied. And Georgia had only given up seven um, tackles for loss um, prior to this game, and they gave up nine in this game alone. So they had seven in all the games prior to combined, and they got nine in this one game. Um, uh, you know, some people are going to criticize the running backs for not being able to read holes. Well, there were no holes um, until the second half. Um, Tate Ratledge got blown up in this game. And, you know, and Kirby said today, actually, today's Tuesday night, Kirby said in the presser that Tate is, you know, still not 100%. Well, then why is he out there um, is what I'm going to say. Uh, why is he out there? Because Wilcox comes in and does a much better job at times in the second half. Uh, you know, they change their the way they block, their blocking scheme. They change it in the second half, uh, specifically in the fourth quarter. And and they just mow Missouri over. And and so I think this is a multitude of things. It is a it is laziness on the offensive line. It is a laziness on the defensive line. It is missing Jalen Carter. It is missing A.D. Mitchell. People can say, you know, it's just one player. You do not understand people. Uh, A.D. Mitchell is why, uh, like, he he played so incredibly well and was so vital to that offense in, against Oregon. South Carolina is just a horrible team, and Stetson played out of his mind in that game. But A.D. Mitchell is is very important. He is the deep threat. Him and Arian Smith, and look, Arian Smith only had only stepped on the field four times, so he, but he's getting back healthy. Ad Mitchell's getting back healthy. Jalen Carter's probably not back to the Florida game, so I, I'm very curious as to what's going to happen over you know in, between now and Florida, because are people going to get healthy or we're going to get more people hurt? Um, okay, so they sucked. They played badly. They deserve to drop. If you would have told me that Georgia ended up being four or five after that game, I would have been fine with it because I think Clemson has two of the best wins back-to-back of anybody in the country. Um, with that said, uh, look, Spencer, I, I am not ignorant enough to think that Joel Klatt will ever listen to our podcast. However, I do have something to say about something I heard him insult about Kirby Smart this weekend. So after the press, do you know what I'm talking about at all or no? Uh, yes, for the most part, I'm familiar with Joel Klatt's comments about Kirby. Okay, so after the game, Kirby said Kirby did not compare. He did not criticize any other conference. He just said, you know, in the SEC, on the road, games are always tough. And, you know, that there there is maybe to a coach, there is some truth to that, okay? Um Missouri was louder than I've ever heard them be, you know, in that game for what it's worth. However, Kirby did not, again, criticize anybody. And also, what do you want him to say, like, uh, about this game, uh, about the game after he loses? But again, he did not compare anybody or anything. Joel Klatt gets on his podcast on Monday and berates Kirby Smart about saying that the SEC is tough. And then he goes on to – he compares that – 
it is not harder to go to Missouri than it is to Iowa or to <clears throat> or to uh, go on the road to uh, to TCU. He, he, he was he was trying to say, like, it's no harder to go to these games in the SEC than it is anywhere else in the country. And I just find that completely hilarious that he wasn't Kirby was not the one comparing. And then Joel Klatt ends up being the one comparing conferences. And you want to criticize Georgia for how they played? That's absolutely fine. You should do that. Criticize Kirby for not making changes earlier. That's perfectly fine. But do not criticize the man for for complimenting the the conference that he plays in and the difficulty in which it's played. That's all I wanted to say. Very good. Um, what other okay. games did you have? Bama, Arkansas. Uh, Bama smoked them. I know for the third quarter it looked like it was close, but then the fourth quarter came back and it, you know, reality hit back again. Uh, I think the biggest news to come from this is how long is um, Bryce Young going to be out? Yeah, that's the big one, um, <clears throat> Bryce Young. But even without him, they were able to score thirty-five points. So you, I think if you're a Bama fan, you got to feel pretty good about. Uh, the offense is rounding into form. There's some consistency being found somewhere in some way. So um, I think if you're an Alabama fan, you certainly want to get Bryce Young back sooner rather than later, of course, because being a starter for uh, Milrow versus coming in as a, as you know, during the game as a backup, those are, those are two different. Those are two different responsibilities. Being the starter for a full week versus, you know, just coming in and saving the day. Two different sets of responsibilities. So, yeah, um, biggest thing out of that game for sure is the uh, the question of Bryce Young. You know, and they have uh, – who knew Bama had freaking Michael Vick sitting on the sidelines? You know? A big Michael Vick. Jeez Louise, man. I, like, that that run he had was just freaking nuts. Um, here's, just, like, Milrow, um, you know, he had, he had a 77-yard run, uh, which was just looked incredible. You know, he got the job done. But they win this game by almost 20 points. No, by over 20 points. Without Bryce Young, like Bryce Young went out when it was 14 to nothing. And they went on to win by 20 plus points. Uh, you know, give give Arkansas credit for for making a run at it in the third. But that's why there's four full quarters in a game. Um, here is something I just want to throw out there. You know, there were a lot of people who criticized. There are a lot of people who criticized Saban for um, for how he handled Tua at times with his injuries. And that he probably shouldn't have come back when he did because he had that ankle injury. And then he goes on. I think it was. Uh, I think he ultimately got hurt in his hip. Was it LSU or Mississippi State? Um, you know what I'm talking about. The, the 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 game that essentially ended to his college career. Um, do you know what I'm talking about or no? Yeah, I think so. Um, yeah, the ankle uh, injury or the hip injury was it? Yeah, hip, yeah ankle or yeah. hip. Well, he had an ankle first. And people were worried, like, 
you know, because they had heard it was a high ankle sprain, but he was still he still came and played. He still played in the game. You know, played it you know, a week or two later. Mac Jones was the one you know who got to show off a little bit that year. And I think it was Mississippi State where Tua finally or LSU finally got injured and was you know was taken out and was done for the rest of the year. And when I say career, I meant career in college. Uh, I'm just curious, will Saban allow Bryce Young to to heal? You know, because and, and and I'm not I'm not saying Kirby's better. I am in no way, shape, or form. Saban is the goat. I'm not pushing back on that. However, Kirby Kirby, I think sometimes like makes sure these guys are almost a hundred percent before he allows them to come back, um, which can be frustrating at times. But at the same time, here like with Bryce Young, will Bryce Young be allowed to heal, or will he be forced to it, not for, quote forced, but kind of forced? to play prior to being healthy because these next two games are the most important outside of Mississippi state later in the year. These are the, he, they've got A&M than, than, uh, than Tennessee. And I'm just curious if he'll let them, if he'll let them heal or if he's going to end up playing this weekend. <clears throat> yeah. Uh, I, I heard a comment made that Bryce had his helmet on, on the sideline during the Arkansas game as almost if he was ready to go back in if they needed him to. Yeah. So I, I maybe get the impression they'll go with Milrow if they can, and they'll finally start featuring uh, what's his name there and, and at running back, Jameer yes. Gibbs, start featuring him a little bit, let him break off a couple of more 70 yard touchdown runs and, uh, you know, just sort of nurse this thing for uh, for Bryce Young. At least let him have this weekend off against the team that's that doesn't seem to be having a whole lot of momentum offensively right now. Your defense is playing good enough that there shouldn't be an issue slowing down an A&M team that's now looking at some of their... I saw some of the clips this weekend and... Uh, what's the wide res- the new hot shot wide receiver dropping pa- touchdown passes, dropping passes that get intercepted? That's only one guy, but you're still thinking this offense seems to be moving in the wrong direction. Even if they are putting up some points, I'm still thinking, man, if if Evans your your big time wide receiver recruit is not living up to his hype, it just feels like that's more of an advantage for Alabama. Uh, this weekend, well, let's 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 go ahead and talk about the A and M game really quickly. Miss, Mississippi State beats the brakes off A and M by running the ball. <laughs> by by running the ball, Spencer. Like running the ball or having success running the ball. Having success running the ball. Like I, Same I yeah, that that fits. I just. Dude, when's the last time a Mike Leach coach team had 144 yards rushing, averaging six yards a carry? Yeah, I went and looked at yearly numbers uh, earlier in the week, and yearly numbers were as high as like 4.4. Jeez, so, yeah, I mean, a, a game of six yards or better is, I'm sure, not something that happens a ton in that offense. Yeah. 24 um, carries, though, that's right around the normal from a yeah. yearly standpoint. 20, 23, 27, 
it was kind of the well i think maybe as low as 18 one year all mm-hmm. the way up to 27 so he'll he had one season where he carried it or he handed it off a good little bit um there at i believe washington state well um mississippi state's a really good team we said they were going to be a really good team and i hate they had that blip at lsu but they they handle business and uh we'll talk more about them here in a minute uh Spencer, Kentucky and Ole Miss. Uh, yeah. Huh? I said what? Yeah. Uh, can we stop with the Will Levis? Is a is the first quarterback taken in the draft, please? Are you okay I with that? I think that's probably – yeah, I think – well, yeah, I think that's mm, – he was 18 of 24 for 220 and two touchdowns. Oh, I'm sorry. He, I guess individually he yeah. did okay, but, I mean, you didn't get obviously – Cool. Okay. Uh, like, I'm not. I'm not saying like you're wrong. I'm. I'm saying, I'm asking. You didn't really get to watch the game, did you? Go ahead. No, you go ahead. Did you? Did you no, get to watch no. the game? You. You watched the game. Go ahead. No, I, I just. All I was going to add to is, while individual numbers may not have been bad, he is at least efficient. There were just there were play. There were wide open plays that he mm-hmm. missed. There were sacks that he took, and you know his O line can be you know they can criticize his O line and they probably deserve some of it, but the, the O line has nothing to do with him holding on the ball forever and in taking sacks and then and then on the final drive, like he had he had two turnovers on the final drive of the game, um and he and and then they get down to I think the one yard line and he's the reason why like he didn't wait for his team to be set. And so they get a legal formation, and they get backed up, and then they never score a touchdown. I, I just, I, I think I'm more bitter not at Will Levis. He hasn't done anything wrong. I'm more bitter at just the media and this praise of him being the first quarterback taken in this year's upcoming draft. And I've just not seen it. I've not seen a dude in any way, shape, or form. You can't make mistakes like that, and. Um... You know, there's not a there's not a ton around him either. Um, they obviously ran the ball a good little bit, and I mean, I guess give Ole Miss some credit for slowing that running game yes. down. That's supposed to be really vaunted there for uh, for Kentucky. But yeah, I mean, it's it's a clo- it's a one score game. Those kinds of mistakes can't be made late. You can't have uh, that kind of stuff going. I mean. He had he had a point where he had ten straight completions, including two touchdowns, and then you go to, you know, that fourth quarter, and you go there late, and you start looking at, um, it's you know the the plays aren't being made there right on that final drive, like you mentioned, or those final yeah that final drive, uh, those the plays aren't being made as well as they could have been maybe. I yeah. I'm just again. I'm just more frustrated at that concept. Uh, okay, so um, Ole Miss, Ole, Ole Miss might be a threat to Bama. Um, this defense is this defense is really good. Um, I don't know. I don't know where they'll rank in certain parts. I, I I'm not saying that they are world beating or anything like that. But we talked about in the preview that could they just have a decent defense, and I think they have that this year. Um, Spencer, uh, we'll, we'll try to run through this a little quicker. Uh, Oklahoma State at Baylor. Um, 
my love and my love was not in vain for Gundy and Spencer Sanders this Saturday. They go into Baylor and they win this game. They get it done. It was ugly at times, but they got it freaking done. Yeah, I didn't get a chance to see any of this game. I actually don't even know what what the score was <laughs> uh, for that game. Hey, missed that one completely. You know why? It's because you were the voice of the Blazers, and you were uh, traveling. Let's not talk about them right now. Oh well, I just was well, going to praise you. Yeah, you know, uh, well, I appreciate you. that. Thank you. Voice of the Bla- the voice of the Blazers. Um, appreciate it. Thank you. Look, Spencer Sanders. Uh, he he played well. He he was efficient at times. He does have one bonehead interception, but then he uh, runs or he throws for 181, uh, 20 to 29. But then he ran for 75 yards as well for and a touchdown. I, I I'm not Oklahoma State is probably the front runner right now. Uh, like if I if you had to pick who who the best player in the conference is, uh, you know you're probably going to pick OK State, um, which we'll we'll talk more about that in a second. But um, I, I think this is just a big win for them. You know they they obviously have harder games ahead. This con this conference is probably the most balanced, and the like. Every team in this conference is good. There is no like sucky Vanderbilt or Rutgers or N- Northwestern or or Nebraska. There's no one like that in this conference. Everybody is good in some regard, um, and that's been fun to see. Uh, Spencer NC State at Clemson. NC State makes the score look close. It wasn't really close. Is DJU going to lead this team to the playoff? Because it kind of feels that way right now with who they have ahead of them. Yeah, I mean, he's put together back-to-back weeks of of playing pretty uh, playing pretty solid and, and kind of, at the very least, not making uh, a, a ton of mistakes. You know, he goes um, 20 of 30. Uh, 21 of 30. He only had the one touchdown, only 200 yards. He wasn't a magnificent player this weekend, but he does uh, rush for two touchdowns, and he has uh, the 70 yards there on the ground for uh, for Clemson on offense, so he kind of helps the ground game get going. They weren't magnificent offensively, but yeah. you kind of feel like, hey, DJ carried the win against Wake Forest offensively, and you kind of get the impression he kind of did it again this weekend where yes. he was the only one scoring the touchdowns. So two weeks in a row in different fashions completely, he kind of helps carry the offense. I, I think that's a very good sign for Clemson. Yeah, um, I I have decided that I don't know if there's a better quarterback at running at running the RPO option like in, as far as running the ball, r- running that shotgun option, than he is, man. Out maybe Adrian Martinez, but man, he just he just he just reads that so incredibly well. That was something that I noticed from him. I, I was just really really impressed. I've been really impressed the last two weeks um, by him and and how well he's played. And you know, I've been very quick to criticize him, and so I should be quick to you know to praise him. You know, whenever whenever he has good games back to back like this, Clemson, like I texted you earlier today, I think Clemson has. You might as well go ahead and put a pencil in for Clemson to make the playoff, because unless they pull a Clemson and choke, 
Like uh, their their schedule is just such a joke the rest of the year. Um, so also we can be quick about this. Uh, Wake Wake beats FSU um, at FSU. FSU man, they did their best um, in this game, but they lost they lost two more offensive linemen, Spencer, in this game. They lost they lost another defensive lineman as well. It just when they're fully healthy, I don't. I, I think they can compete in the in uh, in the ACC. But with all these injuries that have just just cascaded on them over the last few weeks, I don't. They'll they'll make a bowl game, but I just I, I think they're I think they're looking at seven and five again just because of the injuries. Yeah, led the game or trailed the game twenty eight seven. Made a nice little push there uh, towards the end, but. Yeah, I mean, Florida State's had a red-hot start to the year, and I'm not sure what the ceiling was at the beginning of the year for this group. 4-0 and to start start things off was a, um, was obviously felt, I don't want to say an overachievement, but it sort of felt like it might have been an overachievement. And now maybe things settle settle back in a little bit. Uh, yeah. Jordan Travis might not be a guy you can lean on as much as they want to. Um, didn't run the ball particularly well in this game either, which is, I think, a, a big thing that needs to be there for uh, for Jordan Travis. Having him throw the ball 35 times, eh, I don't know if I want that. I, I'd like to see those running numbers a little higher instead of his uh, pass attempts like that. But uh, they didn't run it super well in the second and third quarters, and that probably leads a little bit to you know stalling out and only leaving yourself so much time at the end of the game to get into gear um, with with your offense. Yeah. Um, so Michigan handles Iowa. Their their playoff dreams did not go to die. Um, the you know LSU and no handled- real big surprise there, right? I mean that's no no this uh, Iowa yeah. group has just been. We only mention that game because of the things that we've seen happen at Iowa. <laughs> uh, I just want to get this one out of the way before we talk about these last couple of games. Uh, LSU uh, gets down 17 nothing against Auburn at Auburn and then comes back and wins the game. Uh, I'm just impressed with LSU being able to come back in that game. Um, yeah, because they weren't – they didn't look like they were playing sp- particularly well even in a comeback effort. They – yeah, none of their none of their offensive numbers looked any kind of glossy or good. So and yeah, Jane Daniels find got a hurt. way to fight through. Jane Daniels got hurt. We don't know what to what we don't know to what degree. So you know we'll see what happens there. Um, but these last couple of games, Spencer, um, are, are the ones that are kind of just like needed to be talked about. Let's get the positive out of the way before we get the couple of negatives. Uh, Iowa State, Kansas. It was a rock fight. It was ugly at times, but Kansas is five and zero. Wow. Yeah, five and zero. Jaden Daniels didn't do a whole lot on the ground. Had to get some things done through the air. Had to rely on other people to get things done for Kansas. So uh, kudos to them. But of course, I think if you can take future teams, if you can take. Jaden Jalen Daniels away on the ground that might go a long way to really limiting this this Kansas offense um, obviously holding them to 14 points here you got to imagine an Oklahoma State uh, you know an Oklahoma 
hopefully, if they can, can, can get themselves situated. Um, Kansas State, you know, those are going to be teams that uh, you would imagine, you know, a little, high, little higher power on offense. If they find a way to slow down Jalen Daniels, then uh, Kansas could come back down to ground, uh, come back down to earth a little bit. Yeah. Um, but you know what? <laughs> All they have to do is win one more game and they're bowl eligible. And, and that, I mean, that, yeah, that's all that matters. Uh, but I will tell you this too. I believe this team has confidence in itself. And while their offense wasn't as prolific in this game, their defense was very sound. Yeah. Their defense mm-hmm. is very sound. Um, yeah. All right, Spencer. So I last week bragged about Michael Penix. I said he had hit his perfect cell form. Then this dude Dragon Dragon Ball Z reference. Yes. Then this dude goes and has one like his stats are gonna blow up because because there was garbage time and they were playing catch up. And they 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 did make a run, man. They whew, they really did make a run. But they get Yeah, when does garbage time stop being garbage time? I think with whenever I think whenever you get when you get within two scores, it is no longer garbage time. But I, I think, but garbage time ceased to exist, right? You, you're, it's no longer. You're down thirty-three to ten, mm-hmm. and your stats that led to thirty-three sixteen, like you don't count any of that as garbage time because you've pulled within twelve or pulled within eight, yeah, forty to thirty-two. That's that would be the logic in my head. Yeah, that, you wouldn't count any of that as. And I'm not fussing at you. I'm just fussing yeah, at yeah. kind of the idea of. I mean, at some point you got to get back into the ball game. So, at, how does garbage time? And maybe I'm overthinking it, like I'm trying no, to be no, a smart no. ass or something. <laughs> no, but, I, I know what you mean. Like, yeah, no, I, I think you're right. I, let let me just say this: the game seemed out of hand or out of out of reach, and Michael Penix led Washington to to make it look closer. You know, not look closer. It was closer. Yeah, they gave him a chance to win yeah, there. They gave him a chance to win. However, Michael Penix is part of the reason why they were in the hole they were in. He threw two early, two early um, interceptions. I actually think that one of them was a pick six um, that he threw. It, it was just, it was just very, very bad by him. Um, UCLA. Well, they had the safety. He uh, that they had the yes. bad handoff on the on the safety. I did get a chance to see that one. H- had a safety. Yeah, had a. Um, just man, just play. He just did not play well in this first half. Um, but then he goes, man, he goes berserk in the second half. Uh, Michael Penix is a really good quarterback who just unfortunately put his team in a hole early. They made mistakes in the Rose Bowl, which was kind of rocking. Kind of. Um, they had had some fans in that game. I know that game was ten thirty on a Friday night. I know a lot of people probably didn't get their eyes on it, but that was one of the – it was a fun to have on while I was doing other stuff, um, especially towards the end of the game. But I don't know if you saw the clip, Spencer. DTR had one of the sickest jukes I've ever seen that made two players tackle themselves. Um, two of the same – did you see it? It was just gross. Uh, UCLA is 5-0. and um, 2-0 and in the Pac-12. 
I, I picked them to make the to make the Pac-12 championship. Let's see if they can continue to do that. Do so. All right, and then the last game I just want to make mention of because I, I don't know if I've seen a beating like this since I don't know since my brother Corey talked back to my grandmother in front of my mom when we were kids. Uh, <laughs> but TCU beat Oklahoma like like in that Simpsons episode. Stop! Stop! He's already dead. They beat them so badly. And it wasn't even close. It wasn't fake. They just beat them soundly. Yeah, no, I was I, I was totally expecting Oklahoma to bounce back from the um, the thumping K K State put on. Them. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, from yeah from the K State game, I was fully expecting a bounce back there, uh, but that didn't happen. Didn't Dylan Gabriel go down in this game? Yeah, it looked like uh, Dylan Gabriel did go down, and he wasn't. He didn't play. He didn't play particularly well when he was out there. He maybe wasn't awful, but it. Seven of sixteen, certainly not great. No, yeah, I mean, it didn't matter. It I, didn't matter who was yeah. there. They looked bad. Keep, keep going. Sorry. Well, I was just, yeah. I mean, it's. I think we got overly excited through the first. I certainly did get over excited through the first few games of the year, thinking, "Hey, defense is playing better. They're in their spots. They're doing what they're supposed to. All of these numbers look better." But now that they've entered conference play against, and you've already touched on it. What is really and truly, in a lot of ways, not a bad conference at any spot. I guess maybe Iowa State's at the bottom right now. Uh, most of the teams in this conference are really good and have some pop on offense. And you ran into a, a TCU team that's averaging 40-plus points a game right now. So um, Brent Venables has only been there a year, or not even a year. He's only been there for a few games. So, yeah. The defense isn't all the way fixed, and, and there's no way that it could have been all the way fixed in, you know, seven months or however long he's been there. Can we, before we go into the picks of the week, can we, can we though talk like can we criticize Venables? Like he's supposed to be this defensive guru, and it's not like it's not like the cupboard was bare at Oklahoma as far as talent. You know, like I, I just they look Go so, ahead. They they just look Spencer, they just they can't tackle. Like they they can't tackle, they can't cover like you know, that coach thirty I don't I don't know, Spencer, if you're in the trend of watching the coach thirty videos. Do you know what I'm talking about? No. Say again. No. Okay, there's this guy on Twitter, Coach Thirty. He uh, sits down and he essentially makes fun of clips of games and and they, they're hilarious. And he does one for Oklahoma TCU and it might be his best one he's ever had. Um, I'll send you a link to one that you and you'll laugh hysterically and you'll be up all night watching clips of them. Um, so you're welcome for that. But uh, they just they just look horrible. They they look bad on defense. Offensively, I, I'm not really too I'm not really too concerned. TCU seems to be a really good team and. I under I I underestimated them coming into the season. I think you were the one who kind of praised them, um, and even and even said like, "Hey, some things could come together, and this could work out." Um, you know, and and you so you were right in that regard. But 
o- Oklahoma just looks bad. I think I, I don't I don't think they I don't think that there's a world in which they're not even a top three team in the Big Twelve. Um. So you have anything to add, buddy? You're yeah. not. Okay. Uh, also, just really quick, Minnesota crapped the bet against Purdue. Um, Ibrahim didn't play, which you know is a is a big deal. But they couldn't do anything right. They couldn't get. Just Tanner Morgan had three interceptions. He looked awful. Um, kind of disappointed in the Gophers, but uh, maybe they can keep 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 chugging and they can they can still win the West. All right, Spence. <clears throat> we have we have ten games for this week. I think that, I think this is one of those like quiet quietly awesome weekends. Um, games on paper that most people aren't going to be like oh, but like they're they're secretly going to be incredible. Yes, we know there's red, the Red River, but I'm talking about other games. Um, whenever you look ahead, did you have any thoughts like that, or you're like, eh, there might be a couple here. No, I think you uh I think you got a few here that are yeah, maybe not marquee kind of games like Texas and Oklahoma will be or like Bama and A and M was supposed to be. Um lots of good conference games uh that you've got picked out here. Obviously nobody saw Kansas and TCU being a game of the week. Um probably UCLA and Utah. Man, maybe that one was circled a little bit. Tennessee and LSU probably circled a little bit. But yeah, in, in terms of marquee, Texas, Oklahoma, I guess, is the only thing. But even that has lost a little bit of luster, I guess, because Oklahoma has fallen apart a little bit here as of late. But I mean, for for Oklahoma, for AM, for everybody, there's still time to turn the season around. So um nothing set in stone. That's why you keep playing the games. Yeah. Okay, let's let's jump in. Uh week six games. Let's go let's go where game day's going. TCU at Kansas, Spencer. <laughs> Kansas has a chance to be bowl eligible, take sole possession of the Big Twelve, uh, Big Twelve lead. Where are you at, man? How are you feeling here? Uh, so I'm going to go TCU. I think, um, okay. you know, I think TCU's probably got enough of an offense here to take advantage of, um, if they can. I think the I don't want to say the blueprint, but there's some options. There's some ideas of how to slow Kansas down. I don't know if I expect Kansas to stay going as hot as they've been. Um, certainly TCU coming off of the the big win over Oklahoma could be a a slip up spot. But ultimately, I like TCU here. I think they're doing enough offensively uh, to take advantage of uh, potentially a talent discrepancy. Uh, there between themselves and and Kansas, so TCU. So um, I I was I was coming into today. I was I was probably dead set on picking Kansas. It's game day is going to be there. It's going to be nuts. It's going to be loud. Um, but then I started seeing today where Lance Leopold press conference is getting getting questions about. About job openings, uh, and and I know this sounds dumb, but I just think that kind of stuff can be distracting, except especially for a program that is not necessarily used to winning in this in this decade. Um, and so I, I'm gonna I'm gonna go with TCU, man. That they're really good. Uh, Duggan is is legit, 
and this TCU defense. I now the 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 line is seven for TCU, and I think that's accurate. But I I do think this this game will be within a within a score, because um, I do think Kansas is a good team. I just I just hate it for them that they're they're going to have this possibly very good TCU team come in and they got these distractions of their coach possibly leaving for one of these major jobs that are going to be open. Um, no matter what Lance Leopold says about, you know, hey, we're just focused on here. We're happy where we are. We don't want to go anywhere else. We, we've seen too many coaches say, say that and then be gone, you know, at the end of the season. Um, all right, Spence, you already mentioned it. Utah at UCLA. Give me the Bruins. I think – I think Utah is not as good as I expected them to be. Their offense just is not clicking the way it has had been last year. UCLA UCLA has a squad, and yes, they struggled. They probably should have lost a game earlier in the year, but when it comes to conference games, man, Chip Kelly just does a great job of getting his team up, and this game's at the Rose Bowl. Um let me see what time the game is. And the game's at 3.30. It's going to be, man, a lot of people will be watching this game. Give me give me UCLA. I picked uh, Utah to be right there in the thick of things at the end of the year for the conference, and I will stick with that. I think Utah is sort of starting to round into form a little bit. So I will uh, I'll stick with Utah here. They got a nice win over, um, over Oregon State. This um, this last week, uh, forty-two to sixteen. So um, I'll go with uh, the Utes. Okay. Um, Tennessee at LSU. Hold on. Tennessee's coming off a bye. I think. I think that's right. Hold on. Oh, it's a it's a noon game. Oh, that's disgusting. Um. Tennessee LSU is at noon at LSU. I think, yeah, they were off. They were off this past week leading into this week. But here's the here's an interesting fact, though, Spencer. LSU is only a three-point underdog. Yeah, the, the spread's close on this one, and that's kind of, I think, throwing people for um, for some kind of a loop. Um, I like I like Tennessee here. I just feel like I have a little bit more confidence that they're in sync. Yeah. Um, LSU still seems to be figuring things out. Is at least my it's the way I'm I've gathered things for them. I know you mentioned injuries uh, to Jaden Daniels uh, from this past weekend, and. Uh, I was listening to somebody mention about how this Jane could Daniels be. Is play, by the way, Jane Gan- okay. Daniels to start against LSU. Keep going. Okay. Um, I was listening to something mentioning that hey, while the spread's super close on this, this de- game has plenty of chance to be, you know, a, a blowout on either end. And I think if that's the case, or if that exist between these two teams i feel like i'm a little bit more comfortable with tennessee being in the flow of things as well as 
you know, the opportunity that they have to potentially get into uh, LSU's depth, which might play a big advantage for them. So uh, I like for uh, I like for Tennessee here. Okay. I have not been impressed with Tennessee's defense this sure. year. Right. They they give up. They only won by seven to Pitt. They gave up 27 points to Pitt. They gave up 33 points to a Florida team that we had cast aside. And Anthony Richardson couldn't throw a timing out to save his life in the, the weeks prior. However, mm-hmm. he however he looked like 2004 Madden Michael Vick. Um in their game, this game is on the road. Um, the game against Florida was was uh, was at home, which I mean that crowd was just incredible. Their game against Pitt, where it was really close, was at Pitt. I don't know if this team can play on the road. And LSU, I mean, yes, at night it makes it much worse, but LSU is one of the toughest environments in the country to play in. LSU has a better I think LSU has a better team than we thought they did. Would you I mean I'm not I'm not saying I'm not trying to persuade you to pick LSU. I'm just saying I think they have a better team than than we thought they did. Do, do you agree with that right now? 5 games in? I don't know. I, I don't know okay. how good they you, are. You still you still need more more. Okay. And that's that's fine. Yeah, I, I think that. I still need more. Yeah. Um, you know, them beating Mississippi State to me showed me that they they are more than we thought they were. And then coming back from 17 down to beat an Auburn team who is rabid and just hungry for a win, like that just shows me they've got some grit against teams they're more talented than. Um, I, I think Tennessee's defense is a problem. I, I think that LSU's defense is, is getting better. Give me LSU to upset Tennessee this weekend. Okay. Um, all right, Texas, Oklahoma. Quinn Ewers is supposed to play. Mm. For me, it's kind of easy. Texas. Yeah. 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 Um, I don't think Oklahoma's going to lose three in a row. I know that. And. If this would be the spot for them to do it, this, I mean, or if there was a spot for them to do it, this would be it. Um, <laughs> I forgot neither team is ranked. They're not, they're not in the rankings, the ranking games listed. <laughs> uh, it's just weird to say that. Yeah, g- g- yeah give me, give me Oklahoma. I, I just Ooh, feel like that will be. Texas is a seven point favorite, Spencer. Does that change your mind? No. no. Um, Dylan Gabriel's probably not playing. Actually, let me look. That oh, up now that's first. something. Yeah, see oh. if you can look that up. That would certainly be uh, a piece of the puzzle that would need to be known for uh, sure. Discuss the status as quarterback. Venable said Venable went before media said, and he didn't say much about Gabriel or other Sooners injured. There's some injury situations going on right now, and they're still up in the air. Um, says won't. Won't update Gabriel until more certainty. That does not sound mm. positive. Yeah, right. give, give me Texas. Yeah, I'll stick with Oklahoma. Okay. Would you be surprised if Texas, if Texas wins this game? No, they're a seven-point favorite. Oklahoma's been shit on defense. 
My bad. I wouldn't be surprised. My my bad. I just was asking a question. Jeez. I answered your question, didn't I? Yeah, just very aggressively. I don't I don't know where the um, sudden frustration is coming from. I didn't do anything. Well, sometimes you ask. Sometimes you ask me questions with this sense of what you know. Would you be surprised? No, it's college football. No, I'm not surprised. <laughs> no, no, I wouldn't be surprised. Okay. Lisa Spencer's being rude to me. Just keep that in mind. Okay. <laughs> not um, true at all. All right. A&M, Bama. I, he, here's the question. We're both picking Bama. What has to happen for A&M to beat Bama? You think Milrow, Bryce Young would, Bryce Young either is is limited with his injury or Milrow plays poorly uh, at quarterback. Um, A&M definitely has answers defensively. They've been able to slow some teams down. So I get the impression defense would have to come out with a lot to prove. Milrow would have to play poorly. And offensively, A&M's, I would imagine, even if Bama's playing poorly offensively, I would imagine A&M still is going to need 24 points, 20 25, 26, 7, you know, plus points in this mm-hmm. ball game. So AM's gonna have to maybe do some things offensively that we haven't seen yet. And whatever concerns we've had about Alabama's offense would have to come forth full fold. Um whether it's through Bryce Young's injury and his shoulders not ready to go. Uh, and then Milrow plays not up, you know, if he's this, especially if he were to be the starter, you know, in that extra, that extra, you know, amount of responsibility from, you know, for a game week plays too heavy on him. You know, whatever the scenario is exactly, offense would have to be poor and deep, uh, you know, A&M's offense would have to come through with with some points that we maybe haven't seen yet before. Yeah, I, I think you're right. I think this game, uh, the upset occurs with an injury or a absence of Bryce Young. I think that yeah. part has to happen. Um, I think next, the next part of this is that A&M is able to completely neutralize Jameer Gibbs. Yeah. So, so mm-hmm. if both of those things don't happen, I don't see how an upset occurs. So, um, all right. Both of us said Bama. All right. Um, Texas Tech, Oklahoma State. I, I just put this game on here because I, I think it does mean a lot as far as continuing uh, who who's going to be number one in the Big Twelve after this weekend. Uh, I'm taking OK State. I just I think I think there's only like two teams that could actually beat them this year in their conference. Is there a path for for Texas Tech? Yeah, I, I think I think if they just air it out all over these boys, um, Texas Tech has an upset already this year. Um, do you remember who it is off the top of your head? Um, was it Texas? It was Texas. Um, yeah, and, it was Texas. And in that game, and in that game, yeah, Smith. They went to. Du- Smith threw for like 331 yards and two touchdowns. 
Um, I think it would just take that kind of game of just slinging across the yard. Um, and Spencer Sanders comes down to earth. I think that that's probably the other part of this. Yeah, that would be a yeah, that would be a big factor. Donovan Smith's uh, averaging two ninety five a game through the air. So yeah, um, he'd he'd certainly have to turn it on, which uh, you know, I guess is not completely out of the realm of possibility. And no, uh, I think the Sanders part of this would be the the other really, um, the other really key thing would be Sanders coming back down to earth for sure. Um. Uh, since I, I don't know why I put this game on here. I think after us talking about it, I, I regret putting it on here. But FSU at NC State, I think with all the injuries FSU has, I just think they definitely have come back to earth. And, I mean, NC State's coming off a loss. Uh, give me NC State. Um, I'll stick with Florida State. Oh, Okay. Okay, I I want to. I just it, it's it's all about injuries for me. But I think I think you're right. Like I he, let me let me just guess where your rationale is. NC State's offense is just putrid and just boring and doesn't score. Is that kind of where it's coming from? Yeah, for for the most part, yes. Uh, I kind of I feel like this tennis uh, this FSU team has shown a, a couple of different gears at times this this year. Maybe not to the point where they would go undefeated, obviously, losing to a really good Wake Forest team. But uh, they've shown a couple of gears with uh, Rodemaker having to come in, and, and they mm-hmm. got the big win against Boston College. So I feel like this group maybe has a, a different kind of continuity than maybe they've had before in the past. So uh, I'm giving them a lot of, a lot of uh, credit there. Yeah, no, I, I... – I think you know what, man. I think that's a good, good upset pick. Um, actually, uh, all right, a game I never thought I'd say in in all, all parts of this game, BYU at Notre Dame or versus Notre Dame in Vegas, the Mormons <laughs> and Catholics in Vegas. <laughs> um, Notre Dame was off last week. They're coming off a big win the week prior against North Carolina. I'm I'm gonna go Notre Dame. I I don't think they're awful. They're a three and a half point favorite against number sixteen BYU. Are you still sort of worried about uh, Notre Dame offensively? I guess uh, mm-hmm. Drew Payne certainly came through on his end of things. He's got six touchdowns and. The one interception and right at seventy percent pass completion. So maybe Drew Payne is the is the guy there, um, but you're still sort of concerned about them offensively. So, but you're also always kind of have it in the back of your mind that BYU's. And, and what what has BYU done so far? It, I feel like Baylor's maybe maybe Baylor is running into. A little bit of their second year slump kind of thing, or or third year slump, I guess is what it would be. They had so much success last year, lost a lot of those key players. It's going to be a, a a down year for them a little bit this season. So yeah, I'll go I'll go Notre Dame here as well, but I don't I'm not standing on I don't feel like I'm standing on super solid ground here. No, it is 
it's definitely it's, it's definitely one of those games where like you can easily see Hall just go nuts, right? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like, yeah, for sure. Um, okay, uh, two games left, and then we'll be out of here. Arkansas, Mississippi State. I, you know, like I want to say, you know, man, Arkansas is going to put it together and 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 win. Going on the road after losing the game the way they did, playing another Mississippi State, playing another team who has a very strong defensive line uh, to to you know slow down or negate their their run their run offense. I just and they they can't really stop the pass. I mean, Bama Bama yeah had those runs by Jameer Gibbs, but they were also passing on them as well. I just I just think this is just another perfect storm kind of thing for against Arkansas, who has the toughest the toughest schedule in the country. Um, I I think they lose, and so I think I think Mississippi State continues their role and and wins this game. Yeah, this is one of those tough spots because you kind of feel like does how long is Arkansas going to skid for here? Um, and maybe not skid, but how you know how long is this gonna? Well, they're eighty continue to be in. for scheduling the games he did the way they did. Yeah, you, keep keep going. I'm sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. I just was going to add to. You're absolutely right. Their 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 schedule is so hard. They've got Mississippi State, and then they go they go to BYU, and then they play yeah. Liberty in two weeks, and they still have to play Ole Miss. Like, why are you going to BYU? And why are you playing Liberty? Yeah, again, you you know, that's the other thing about scheduling those games out so far. You you kind of don't know who and where everybody's going to be. Uh, and, of course, Arkansas is not – they're not the – I don't think if you're Arkansas you can just say, you know, completely say no to going to certain places. I mean, I guess you give them a little bit of credit for saying, hey, we'll we'll get up and go. We'll go play somebody somewhere, but I understand what you mean from the, you know, the Nick Saban approach. We're we're not gonna. We already have to go to LSU or go to Auburn or go to Mississippi State. We're not we're not willingly just gonna get up and go somewhere else as well. So, yeah, maybe you have to take that that little bit of a little bit more of that approach. I I feel as though I want Arkansas here. Just because I don't know Mississippi State or, you know, Mike Leach is always good for something. And maybe that something has already been the LSU game. But more times than not, it feels like Leach is up for something more times than one. Um, and that, you know, somebody can kind of surprise them every so often. I think this is a game that that Arkansas really kind of needs, too. Um, they've skidded a little bit here. Didn't they lose the A&M game as well? Yes, they did. So, yeah, I mean, you're on a little bit of a, you know, you're on a kind of a bad skid here. You don't want to make it three in a row. Of course, nobody wants to lose three in a row, but you get what I mean. I feel like Arkansas needs this a little bit, and they're going to find a way to, uh, find a way to come together here and and make it happen, but it's going to have to be. I mean, KJ Jefferson's going to have the receivers are going to have to step up here too, uh, and KJ Jefferson's going to have to be a, a little bit more of a reliable thrower through the air, more than just being efficient. Like he's going to have to, they're going to have to be able to make some plays down the field, and um, 
like you mentioned, the defensive line is going to be good. So they're going to have a uh, have their hands full for sure. But I'll I'll take Arkansas because I feel like the pendulum just has to swing back a little bit for both them and Mississippi State. Yeah, no, I I think that's I think that is very I think that's I mean I want that to happen. You know, you and I both we love Sam Pittman, um, but just you know i, I t- to me t- to me is is all about um Mississippi State's uh defensive line you know um all right Spencer last game kind of a random game but i i think this could be a, if it guys if y'all are just looking for a fun game to watch let me look at the time that it's coming on cuz I, I forgot what time it was going to be on um where are you um Oh, it's oh, it's not a ranked game. So I imagine most of you aren't even going to watch it because it's not a ranked game. But if you are and you're just feeling squirrely, you're wanting to turn a game on because there's blowouts on. Uh, this is going to be going on while there's a lot of games on. But if you get a chance, turn over the Big Ten Network and watch Purdue at Maryland. I think there's going to be a gazillion points scored this game. <laughs> Maryland is a three-point favorite. Uh, Tali Tagovailoa is probably going to throw for 600 yards <laughs> in this game. Uh, I'm going to take Maryland because I just I think Maryland's good, and I think they they showed the world that Michigan can bleed when you have a good passing offense. Um, so yeah, give me the Terps. Oh, Mar- uh, Purdue has had their moments this year where you're like, what? Are you doing exactly like the game against Syracuse? You're thinking, what is this again? And so, uh, yeah, they've bounced back since that Syracuse game, of course, but they've been, they've kind of kept things close in those games. I am not sure. I'm not sure here for this group. I like Aiden O'Connell. I think lots of people like Aiden O'Connell, but I don't know how much you can like Aiden O'Connell. It's kind of a tale of same the same team. You're sort of the same way with Maryland a little bit. You're we like this. We like Talia. We like this thing, but we're not sure exactly how much we like this. Mm-hmm. Oh, where's a coin at? I will literally flip <laughs> a coin for this one. I thought I had one. There you are. Let's see here. I'm going to do my best two-face impersonation here and flip this coin. Oh, that was crappy. All right, so I went heads. I didn't even assign anything to anybody. <laughs> um, Maryland was heads, so we'll, uh, we'll go Maryland. <laughs> Did you flip a coin and then flip a coin to decide who is going to be who? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right, well, you, you say who's going to be who, so tell, you assign. Maryland is heads, Purdue is tails. All right, Maryland is heads. All right, here we go. Maryland is heads. All right, so it came up tails. So I'll I'll switch it over to Purdue. All right. Um All right, Spence. That's all I got, man. I, I'm I'm excited for this weekend. Um tonight was a good show. Thank you for doing this with me. Well, you know, try to uh I'll try to be accommodating as best as possible. Be sure to uh, like, rate, review, and subscribe. Uh, SpiderDude64 on uh, Twitter for Robbie. Spencer underscore Van Horn, V-A-N-H-O-R-N. 
We'll catch you on the flip-flop. Later.